You have your Bibles with you this morning? Would you open them first of all to Isaiah chapter 55? Isaiah chapter 55. I want to talk to you this morning about living life the way God designed it to be. Living life the way God designed it to be. Not how the world has planned for you. Not even how your parents perhaps planned for you. But how God has planned. His plan is a greater plan. A better plan. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Would you agree with me that God thinks bigger thoughts than you and me? Look at your neighbor and say, God thinks bigger thoughts than you. <laughs> and then also include, and me. Amen. And obviously, when you, for the lack of a better term, hang around him, he brings you up to another level. Amen. The more time you spend with him, then the higher your thoughts will be. Amen. And you'll begin to understand his ways and his plans. He says that I know the thoughts that I have toward you and the plans that I have toward you. He said they're good and they're not evil, praise God. God does not have one evil evil thought about you and me. The Bible says in Psalm 115, the Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. It goes on to say, and the Lord will increase you more and more, you and your children. So if you want to know what's on the mind of God, what's on his mind is, how can I bless them? How can I bless them even more and more? Amen. He doesn't think on how can I break them down? How can I, how can I hurt them? How can I harm them? That's not God. Religion thinks that way, but it's not God's thoughts. He's very clear about what he thinks. He thinks, how can I bless them? You know, the Bible says that God neither sleeps nor slumbers. A lot of times I go to bed at night and I'll say, Lord, uh, I know you're going to be up all night. You neither sleep nor slumber. I'm human. I need some sleep. So I'm going to go ahead and go to sleep. And while you're awake, just dream up better ways to bless me and more ways to bless me. And when I wake up in the morning, we'll talk about it. Hallelujah. Amen. He's, he's dreaming all the time of how much more he can bless you and how better your life he can make it. Hallelujah. That's the way God thinks. Isn't that the way any good parent thinks? You know, <clears throat> I've always thought that about my daughters, Jerry and Terry. And uh, even though they're grown and, and they have families of their own, they're still my little girls. They always will be my little girls. When they, when they come to visit us, uh, you know, I still love it to this day uh, for them to come and sit on my lap and tell me I'm the best daddy in the world. That will get you a trip to the mall every time. <laughs> Amen. And I've endeavored to show them how much I love them, and I still do. You know, uh, when they were r- r- real little, and uh, <clears throat> I began to travel uh, all over the world, I was, I was gone all the time. Still am most of the time. And I was gone when they were growing up, usually 
a minimum of about 21 days out of every month, traveling all over the world. And so when I would uh, get ready to leave, uh, a lot of times they'd be asleep. And I'd go in there and I'd wake them up and I'd say, girls, daddy's leaving. And I'd, and I'd put a little envelope uh, in their hand. And on the outside, I'd say, pocket change. And I'd put some money in there, a few dollars, you know, for them to have while I was gone. And uh, uh, I'd, go, I'd, I'd go to Jerry's first, the oldest one. Then I'd go to Terry, do the same thing. And to this day, you know, uh, they say, daddy, we, we're grown now. We, we have lives of our own. Uh, we have jobs, uh, we have income. Why are you still giving us pocket change? I said, I can't help myself. I've been hanging around God so much, I just want to bless you more and more. Amen. And of course, the pocket change has increased quite considerably, praise God. Uh, uh, when God blesses you, you become a blessing. Amen. Amen. And I, I love doing that with my children and my grandchildren especially. Oh my goodness. When those grandchildren came along, Dear Lord, I've tapped into a reservoir of love that I didn't know existed. In fact, my grandchildren call me uh, El Shaddai, Papa. Uh, El Shaddai means the God that's more than enough. I'm El Shaddai, Papa. I do things for them that is beyond more than enough. Hallelujah. And I can't help myself. That's the way God is. God's a good God. How many of you know God is a good God? Amen. God is a loving God. Amen. He's a wonderful father. Hallelujah. I love that song that talks about, uh, I call you father. And, uh, and, and in that song, it talks about how he loves us. Praise God. That's the God I serve. He's not mean. He's not out to get me. You know, I, I heard that as I was growing up. He's out to get you. He's going to get you, boy. One of these days, he's going to get you. Listen, if God was out to get you, you'd already been got. Who, think, who, who in the world thinks that they can hide from God? Amen. He's not out to get you. He's out to bless you because he loves you. Amen. He can't help himself. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. And what does he do? He gave. That's God's love language. He loves so much that he gives. And, and that's the way I am. I've, I've hung around him so much that that's my love language. I love blessing people. I love, I love giving gifts. Hallelujah. You know, one time I was down in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and I was preaching for a pastor friend of mine. And I had Saturday off, and he said, would you like to go to lunch? And I said, sure. And so we went to lunch, and, and uh, we went to a cafeteria. And uh, so you go through the line, and you're, you're selecting what you want, you know, and we're putting all that on our trays. And we got down to the end of the line. The man who was taking the, uh, the money, the cashier, he looked at me and he said, Sir, that is the most beautiful tie I believe I've ever seen that you're wearing today. I said, well, thank you. He said, where did you get that tie? Did, did you get it here in town? I said, no, I'm actually from Texas. And uh, he said, well, uh, do you think they might have a tie like this somewhere in our town? I said, well, I don't know. I don't know that much about your town. But I said, actually, I bought this tie when I was in London at a place that I love to shop at in London. And he said, I've just never seen a more beautiful tie. And I said, well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. So I started untying it, and I gave it to him. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm giving you this tie. You love it so much, I want to bless you with it. He said, you don't even know me. I said, but you're in the Bible. 
Did you know that? You're in the Bible. I'm in the Bible, he says. I said, yes, you're in the Bible. You're in Galatians chapter 6. You didn't know that? I said, you're in the Bible. Paul said, be a blessing. Be mindful to be a blessing to the household of faith and to all men. And I said, that's what I live for. I live to be a blessing. I'm blessed and I live to be a blessing. And I found you in the Bible. You're all men. Are you born again? He said, yes. I said, you're a household of faith. You're in the Bible. Take the tie. Enjoy it. Praise God. He was shocked. I, I, I wish I could have gone home with him and heard what he had to say to his wife. A total stranger told me I was in the Bible and he gave me his tie. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Well, I love doing that. And I got that. I learned that from God. Amen. He loves to bless. Amen. He loves to bless. That, that's his very nature is to bless people, is to bring them up in life. Hallelujah. Amen. To increase them more and more. And in the fact that it says more and more, that tells me I haven't seen all the increase that he has in store for me. Even though he's increased me tremendously in the last 48 years. But according to that, I haven't seen all the more that he has in store. Hallelujah. Hey, that's a good thing to say. Say this, I haven't seen all the more that he has in store. And if anybody asks you, I came up with that, okay? Praise the Lord. No, God did. Amen. Now, I want you to go to Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. Paul talks about how God thinks and the kind of life that he has prepared for us. In Romans 3, beginning in verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, Jesus went to the cross. Obviously, you know that. And he bought and paid for our sin. He purchased our redemption. He bought us back. Praise God. The uh, message translation says it this way. Since we've compiled this long and, let me see what that says. This long, have you got it up there? Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them, and proved that we're utterly incapable of living the glorious lives. Notice that. The glorious lives which God wills for us. Look at your neighbor and say, God's will is for me to live a glorious life. That doesn't sound like barely get by to me. That doesn't sound like just exist to me. A glorious life. It goes on to say, God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself. A pure gift. He got us out of the mess we were in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a wonderful scripture? Praise God. Amen. Look at somebody say, I'm supposed to be living a glorious life. Now, pastor just told me a few moments ago that this group was rowdy. I I don't think that was rowdy the way you said that. 
I won't say here some rowdy. Amen. Say it again. God has prepared for me a glorious life. And give him a good shout for it. Praise God. Amen. Now, whether you're living a glorious life or not, it's been prepared for you. Amen. Uh, whether you live it or not, it's been prepared for you. Are you still here? Now, I want to give you three reasons why most people don't live this glorious life. Why most Christians don't enjoy this glorious life. Number one is found from Hosea chapter four and verse six. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, a lack of knowledge. If you don't know anything about this glorious life, then consequently, you're not going to enjoy it. Can you say amen? Amen. You You won't live that glorious life simply because you don't have knowledge of it. Uh, The message translation says, because they don't know what's right. They don't know what's right. You know, a lot of people have been taught wrong. Thank you for your enthusiasm. A lot of people have been taught wrong things from the pulpit, from church. Even in Jesus' day, he said to the religious people of that day, Your traditions have made the commandments of God of no effect. And that's number two reason why most Christians don't live this glorious life. Number one is because of lack of knowledge. And number two, because they believe religious tradition more than they believe the word of God. And religious tradition doesn't always line up with the word of God. For instance, uh, growing up, I went to a church, uh, you know, that my dad and mom it actually was a little country church down the road from our house. And uh, uh, what they preached most of the time, if, if there's anything I do remember our pastor saying, and I heard him say it quite often, we're just all sinners saved by grace. And next week, we're just all sinners saved by grace. And next week, we're just all sinners Saved by grace. And the next week, it got a little more forceful. We're all sinners saved by grace. Hallelujah. Now, if you read the Bible, you can't be both. You got to be one or the other. You're either an old sinner or you've been saved by grace. You can't be both. If you're still an old sinner, you haven't experienced grace yet. But if you have experienced grace, then you're not still an old sinner. Amen? Now, you got to be one or the other. How many of you believe Jesus is Lord and he died for your sins? Hallelujah. Then don't ever say again, I'm an old sinner saved by grace. If you're going to say anything, say, I was an old sinner, but thank God I've been saved by grace. Hallelujah. Amen. Because you can't be both. So the first reason why most Christians are not enjoying this glorious life and they're not living the way that he always wanted us to live is because of lack of knowledge. They don't know. And then number two, simply because of religious tradition. 
It's amazing to me how many Christians prefer to hang on to their religious tradition rather than accept the word of God. And did you remember what Jesus said? Uh, I quoted it a few moments ago. Uh, Your traditions have made the word of God of no effect. Let me read it for you to you. That is uh, Matthew chapter 15. The Amplified says, you have set aside the word of God, depriving it of force and authority and making it of no effect. Notice, if you prefer religious tradition over the truth, then it will deprive you of the life that God wants you to live. Can you say amen? And yet, once again, you, you can't imagine how, how strong religious tradition is. In fact, Jesus once again said, your religious traditions have made the word of God no effect. The only thing that will stop the word of work, God working for you is tradition. That's how powerful it is. It'll stop the word from working in your life. You know, I've, I've had the privilege, I've, I've been in the ministry now 48 years. I've preached in over 40 nations. I have been privileged to preach in, in a number of denominations, some of which I don't even know what they were. <laughs> I remember preaching in West Virginia one time. And uh, I still to this day don't know why the pastor invited me to come. He didn't believe anything I said. And so um, they invited me to preach in this church. I'd never been in a church like this before. And when I arrived, uh, he made me put on a robe. I felt like Robert Schuller. I got this robe on. And when we went into the auditorium, it, it had a spiral staircase where the pulpit was up on top of it. You climbed up this staircase and the pulpit was up there and you looked down on the audience. By the way, all the women were on one side of the building, all the men on the other. And he said, do not take off that robe. Do not come out of that spiral staircase. I called it a birdcage. And you have no physical contact with the people. I thought, what kind of denomination is this? What have I got myself into? And so I climbed up that staircase with my robe on, praise God. And I went to preaching and the anointing of God hit me. And I ripped that robe off and swung it and threw it out in the audience, jumped out of the birdcage and went to laying hands on people. And people got healed and they never invited me back. Amen. I've never been invited back to that church. And I still don't know what denomination it was. Amen. But it was depriving the people of the kind of life God wanted them to live. Amen. Religious tradition deprives people of the lifestyle that God has designed for them. And then the third reason... Let me say it this way. Not being a doer of the word. People find out, you know, if they sit under a word ministry, uh, a church like this, people eventually find out the truth and they begin to learn how God wants them to live. But it's one thing to hear it 
and even learn it, but it's another thing doing it, putting it to work. You can hear the best sermons you've ever heard in your life and sit there and nod your head and say, wow, isn't that amazing? And walk right out the door and never put it to work in your life. And the Bible says a person that does that, the book of James says, the, the hearer only has deceived himself. They hear it, but they don't do it. And let me give you a reason why that most people don't do it, even after they've heard it. They're not fed up with the life they're living yet. I mean, they're not fed up with the way they live yet. If you don't act on the word, then that means you must be satisfied with the, with the, uh, the way you are presently living because you're not doing anything about it. Where's that rowdy bunch? Amen. It's one thing to hear it, but hearing it only is not what produces results. It's doing it. Amen. It's doing it. The Bible says in the book of James that the man who is a doer of the word and not a hearer only, this man will be blessed in his deed. I mean, if you want to be blessed in your deeds. Amen. Uh, I heard the word for the first time in my life in 1969 when Kenneth Copeland came and preached in the church that Carolyn grew up in. I didn't want to go hear him. Carolyn begged me to go hear him. And when I went, uh, uh, I heard things that I'd never heard before. And the moment I heard it, even though I did not have a, a scriptural background, I'd gone to church as a, as a kid but I didn't learn the truth in that church. And even though I didn't know, uh, you know, I didn't know where Galatians was no more than I knew where Hosea was, you know. But when I heard him the very first time, I knew what I heard was truth and I couldn't get enough of it. And I went back home and from that day, this pursuit to know the truth was developed in my life and it's still there 48 years later. I'm still just as hungry for truth today as I was 48 years ago, praise God. And the more I pursued, in fact, the first scripture I ever read after I came to the Lord was in the book of John. And it said, if you will continue in my word, you will be my disciple indeed and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free, praise God. Amen. That was the first scripture I ever read. And, and the Lord said to me while I was reading that scripture, in fact, it felt like to me that that little word continue jumped off the pages into my heart and the Lord said this, that's the missing ingredient in your life. You've always been a good starter, but you've never been a good finisher. He said, if you want my best in your life, you're gonna have to develop the art of continuing. Don't quit. And from that day until this, my theme that I have preached all over the world, if anybody knows me closely, uh, you know that my theme has been all these years, don't quit. Don't quit, praise God. Amen. Continue in the word. And the more you continue in the word, the more knowledge you will have and the more knowledge you have, the freer you'll become. Hallelujah. 
Can you give the Lord a good shout over that? Amen. Amen. Now, I said that you have to get fed up with your present conditions, particularly when you see in the word, there's a better way to live. See, that's what happened to me. 1969. I was a young businessman. I owned an automotive business and uh, I was miserable on the inside, even though in the natural, I should have been the happiest guy on the planet. I got a beautiful wife. I got a new home. I own my own business. I got two beautiful daughters. I got a pickup truck. I got a dog that loves me. What else can you ask for? But deep down on the inside, I was a miserable human being because I was running from God and I was running from the call of God on my life. But once I surrendered, then this quest for knowledge immediately was developed in me. And so I went on this lifelong pursuit to increase in the knowledge of God. That's what Paul prayed for the body of Christ in many of his epistles, that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him, that you might know. Know what? Know the things that belong to you. Know the way God wants you to live. Know uh, uh, what Jesus' sacrifice paid for and how it affects your life, praise God. He wants you to know these things. Amen. And so I had a desire to change. I was not happy with the way I was living. We actually were just existing. You know, when I first started that business, it was a dream of mine from a little boy. When I first started that business, I was successful at it. And, uh, uh, you know, God, well, I didn't know it was God blessing me, but uh, I thought it was just my ability to do good work was producing the results. You know, I took pride in my work and uh, I had a good reputation as a paint and body man and so forth. And, And so I just assumed that, you know, I'm the reason why this is a success, you know. But the Bible says, don't let any man think that way. You know, it, it, it says, it's God who giveth thee the power to get wealth. It's God who enables you to be successful. Without God, you wouldn't even have a brain. Amen. So anyway, uh, over a period of time, uh, I began to listen to other people and borrow money to do this and borrow money to do that and borrow money to expand and, and go into different areas, you know. And the next thing I know, I'm so deep in debt. In the natural, there is no way for me to get out of debt, both personally and business-wise. That's kind of like what Charles Capps used to say. I was in debt supernaturally. You couldn't get that way naturally, you know. <laughs> Charles used to say also, I was so deep in debt, I couldn't even pay attention. You know, and uh, so, you know, we're just existing now, you know, and, uh, and then I studied the word and I found out God had higher thoughts, higher plans that God wanted me to be blessed. You know what blessed means? Empowered to prosper, empowered to succeed, empowered to rise above what holds the rest of the world down. That's what blessed means. And God wanted to bless me. Psalm uh, 6, I believe it is, says that uh, uh, his people are blessed. Hallelujah. And it has a little word behind that, selah, which means stop and think about this. And so I begin to meditate on those things and, and begin to study those things. 
and studied the blessing and how it would affect a person's life. And boy, I come out of that bedroom with a vision of how my life was going to change. Now, outwardly, nothing had changed. I still had the debts. I still had the, you know, the same problems, in, you know, financially and so forth. Nothing out here had changed yet, but everything had changed on the inside of me. So you got to see it in here first before it happens out here. Amen. I remember uh, we would hear about Brother Copeland preaching in Fort Worth where he was from. We lived in Shreveport, Louisiana. I said, Carolyn, we got to be in that meeting. I was hungry for knowledge. And I said, we got to be there. Our old car was shot. Our car was worn out. It had over 100,000 miles on it. And, and uh, you could see the air in the tires. You know, the transmission slipped. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it, it was not worthy to be called a car. <laughs> and, and we're believing God, you know, for everything. Believe in God to get out of debt. Believe in God for a better car. Believe in God for groceries. Believe in God for the milk to feed our babies. Some of you remember when there was a time when you could go walk down the road and pick up Coke bottles, turn them in for a deposit. I did that, you know, for, ba- for milk for my babies, you know. And yet every time I picked up one of them Coke bottles and put it in that bag and took it to the store, I said, I'm not moved by this. I'm leaving Egypt and I'm headed for the promised land. Hallelujah. Amen. I had a vision. I knew, I knew this is not the way God wanted me to live. His thoughts are higher. His ways are higher. And he was bringing me up to that level. Praise God. Amen. And so, you know, we would, we'd get in that old car and we'd drive to Fort Worth. And we get over there and Brother Copeland's going to pre- be preaching for three days, three services a day. We didn't want to miss a service. We'd drive over there and walk into that little church where he was preaching. And uh, man, we just soak up the word. Oh, it was so rich. And then we'd, at noon, you know, people would go eat and then they'd come back at two o'clock for the next service. We didn't have money to eat on. We didn't even have money to stay in a motel. We was determined that if we had to sleep in that car for three days, that's what we were willing to do because we knew what we were hearing was going to change our circumstances. We got desperate for change. And so we'd go back out to the car and Carolyn made peanut butter sandwiches or something. And we'd sit out there in the car and eat our peanut butter sandwich. And the girls was eating their crackers or whatever, you know. And we could hardly wait for that next service. And if somebody came by and saw us eating in the car, and if we overheard them say, poor things, look at them. They don't have any money to go eat. We would have turned and looked behind us to see who they were talking about. Because in our mind, we were not poor anymore. We were on our way to be blessed. Hallelujah. We might look that way right now, but things which are seen are subject to change. Hallelujah. And, and we go in that next service, and man, we just soak up the Word of God. I'll never forget after that second service, Brother Copeland uh, said, come up here. Let me talk to you for a minute. And we just barely knew him, you know. And, and uh, he said, uh, I'm so glad you guys are here. And said, um, uh, where are you, you going to have lunch or have dinner? I said, well, we're just going to sit out in the car and, 
and just eat and, and then so we can be back in the evening service. You know, sitting in your car in the church parking lot is not really bad. You're the first ones in the church and you get the best seats. Amen. We, we looked at it from a positive standpoint, you know. And so he said, no, come on and go home with us. What? I thought Moses was talking to me. Yeah. You talking to me? You want me to go home with you? Yeah, come on home with us. We'll have a bite to eat and you can just rest there at the house and then we'll all come back to the evening service. We, we were pinching ourselves all the way over there. Is this really happening to us? And we, we got over to their house and it was a nice house and, and Gloria had decorated it, you know, and, and uh, they took us in and showed us, uh, you know, everything and, and he took me into his study and he said, now, I'm going to be preparing for the evening service, but you, could, you just sit in my study and read my books, read my Bible, read my notes, whatever you want to do. You know, play some tapes, whatever. Uh, he took us into the kitchen, just raid the refrigerator. That's the wrong thing to say. Raid, <laughs> you know, raid the refrigerator, whatever you want to do. We, we felt so blessed and honored that Kenneth Copeland and Gloria Copeland would allow us to come to their home. And so they went back to the bedroom and he was going to prepare for the service and she was going to rest and, and they just left the house to us. And I went and sat in his desk, at his desk. And I, I looked at his notes. He had a Bible laid open there. One of them big family Bibles, you know. And it had all these handwritten notes of things that God had said to him while he's studying those scriptures. I wrote them all down. Later, before I ever moved to Fort Worth, I got a package in the mail one day. And I opened it, and it was that Bible. And in the front of it, it was inscribed. Oh, it touches me today. To Jerry Savell, a very special brother in the Lord, receive my personal study Bible and use it as your own. God has big plans for you. Amen. Kenneth Copeland. Amen. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. I still have that Bible in my archives today. Amen. But we were so honored, you know, to, to be in, in the home of somebody who believed God. And when he talked about living by faith, they lived it. And we were so honored. And eventually, we went to work with him. I traveled with him uh, everywhere he went. He didn't go anywhere without Jerry Savelle. Anytime Brother Copeland said, we're going to do this and we're going to do that, I was we, you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, it was such an honor. But I was learning. And Carolyn didn't go on all the meetings. She went very seldom. She, she was home raising the girls. But every meeting I came home from, I preached to her everything I'd learned in that meeting to Brother Copeland because I took, I took notes. I still have those notes in my archives from those very first sermons. And I'd come home preaching it to her so that our faith would be at the same level. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We were learning that God had a better life. And the little house we, we rented when we first moved there, we, we moved in it just before they condemned it. And uh, <clears throat> it was a piece of junk, but that's all we could afford. And, and I'd come home from Brother Copeland's office. And back then, he had a little small office that was about a, a third of the size, maybe a fourth of the size of this building. 
And it was him and his father and a secretary and a bookkeeper and me. And that was the office staff. And I'd come home from his office and I'd pull up in front of that yard of that, that little dumpy house we were in. And it seemed like every demon in hell was waiting for me to arrive. And they'd scream at me, it seemed like. You're never going to be any better off. You're going to die here. You are a fool for shutting your business down. You're not going to make it. This is all just a, 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 a lie. It'll never happen to you. Who do you think you are? And I'd have to cast those thoughts down before I even got in the house. Every day it seemed like they were waiting on me to tell me that it never worked for me. You're a fool for believing this. And I'd have to cast those thoughts down. Amen. But we kept receiving the word. And the more word we received, the more perfected the image became on the inside of us of where God wanted us to be. Not where we were, but where God wanted us to be. And praise God, I want you to know that was 48 years ago and the life we live today is better than we ever dreamed. Hallelujah. Amen. And God's no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of persons. But here was the key. Number one, knowledge. We had to increase in knowledge. Number two, we had to lay aside religious tradition because the religious tradition was depriving of God's best. Then number three, we had to make the decision that we we were not going to be hearers only, but doers of the word. And you only become a doer of the word when you're fed up, as we'd say in Texas, with the conditions that you're living in now. If you're not if you're not fed up, if you don't reach that place of being fed up, as as I guess you use the term up here, that's the way we say it in Texas, you get fed up, then that's when you take action. Amen. Desperate people are willing to do whatever it takes. And we were desperate for change. We didn't want to live the way we were living. And the Word of God promised us a better life. And so we got desperate for that better life. We got fed up with the life we were living. Now let me prove this to you. And I want you to go uh, as I close today. I'm, I'm not nearly through. I don't ever get through. I just have to find a place to close. I've been hanging around Kenneth Copeland so long now. I just want to preach all day. You know, and sometimes he does all day. You know? Now, listen to this. Listen to this. Go with me to Genesis chapter 27. And this is the story of Esau and Jacob and their father, Isaac, is now uh, almost ready to die, but he's got to pronounce the blessing on the elder son. And of course, that elder son was Esau. Jacob came second. And so now... It's time to bless them. And of course, Jacob, he didn't value the blessing like Esau did. In fact, he was willing to trade it for something to eat. And so Esau wanted that blessing. And so uh, Esau decides that he's going to act as though he is the older brother. And now uh, Isaac's sight is dim. He's old. 
And Esau came in there, you know, uh, acting as though he's the older brother. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Jacob, uh, acting as though he's the older brother and deceived the father into conferring the blessing on him. So when Esau returns and he finds out Jacob has taken the blessing, then here's what happens, beginning in Genesis 30 and verse 38. And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. So now he values the blessing. He didn't before, but now he realizes what he was willing to give up. And Isaac, his father, answered and said unto him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. But by your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother, and it shall come to pass when you become restless. Restless. Say restless. When you become restless, that you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now, Notice the word restless. It means in Texas, fed up. It means becoming unwilling to be restrained and restricted any longer. Now notice, Isaac said to him, if you reach that place where you get restless, restive, fed up, then you will break that yoke from off his neck. Until then, you're going to serve your brother. You're going to be subordinate to him. He's going to lord over you, so to speak. You'll never live the way I really wanted you to live and the way God wanted you to live until you get restless. Once again, fed up. And it says, when you get restless, you will break his yoke from off your neck. What does that mean? When you get fed up, you take action. You know, I've used this illustration many times. Uh, You know, there can be a a family and the dad, you know, he's a big man and the wife is just a little tiny thing, about four foot nine. And the children, you know, they take more after their dad and this boy they have, you know, he leaves the house every morning. His bedroom's a mess, leaving towels all over the bathroom floor. It's a mess. And finally his mother comes in and she's only four foot nine and he's about six five and he plays middle guard on the football team. And she looks up at him and says, boy, if you don't clean this bathroom up and clean your room up and hang your clothes up, I'm going to whip you. And he looks down at her and he believes her. She's mama. When mama gets fed up, there's an anointing that comes on mama. And he believes it. Not only that, but her husband believes it too. When mama's fed up, ain't no peace in this home. (laughs) The anointing, something like the anointing comes on her. And all of a sudden, she'll tackle mountains, mountain lions, bears, 
and six foot five boys that play center guard on the football team ain't nothing to her. She'll beat the tar out of him. Amen. And he believes it. And the next morning she goes in there and the bed's made up and the towels are put away and the house is clean and his part of it. Why? Because he believed mama. What happened? She got restless. She got restive. She got fed up. Amen. And things started changing in that house. The moment Carolyn and I got fed up, restive, restless, there was an anointing that came on us. And we broke the yoke of bondage that had held us down and kept us down and held us back. And praise God, that yoke is not on our neck anymore. That bondage is not there anymore. And now we're living the life that God always wanted us to live. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? You know, uh, the thing is, I can't get fed up for you. Pastor can't get fed up for you. Only you can do that. And the only thing that we can do is keep preaching truth to you. Just keep preaching truth to you. And just keep believing that it's going to penetrate. And the moment it does, you can tell it. You know, the Bible says the entrance of his word bringeth light. When when the light comes on in a person's heart, in a person's spirit, you can see it on their face. All of a sudden, you know, I, I was born in Mississippi on a farm and we didn't even have indoor plumbing until 1957. We had those old lights that had a cord on them, you know. And, and, and my grandpa, he, he, didn't, he, he didn't believe in giving money to anybody that was absolutely unnecessary. He, he figured that, that cost electricity. And we kept, we walked in the dark most of I'd go in the, I'd go to, the, eventually when we got indoor plumbing and they built a bathroom in our house, I'd turn the light on to go to the bathroom. And my grandpa would come behind me and turn it off. Turn that light off, boy, that's costing money. I said, Grandpa, I'm in the dark. Can you just wait till I get through? No, you take too long. He turned it off. You know. <laughs> My daddy finally bought him an air conditioning, a window unit air conditioning. It's hot in Mississippi in the summertime. Dear God, it's hot in Mississippi in the summertime. And dad would turn it on. And grandpa, the moment my dad would leave, he'd turn it on. That's burning electricity, man. You know, and he just was poor minded, you know. And, and I grew up that way. You know, my dad, he wasn't quite as bad as my grandfather, but he was bad, but not quite as bad. But I got fed up. And Carolyn got fed up because we saw that God had a better plan. Amen. And when we got fed up, there was an anointing that came on our lives to break loose. And you know, I'll close it with this. We've had the privilege of living this before our families and living this before our relatives. And at first, they thought we'd lost our mind. You know, they've become fanatics. Uh, you know, don't, don't be around them much. This might get on you, you know, like we had <laughs> leprosy or something, you know. And, uh, and they were kind of, you know, hands off. But then every time they got sick, they'd call us. Every time they were having problems, they'd call us. We were the nuts. But all of our relatives, 
Never forgot the nuts phone number, you know. And, and over a period of time, we started winning all them to the Lord because they saw where we started and where God took us, and they couldn't deny the results. And here's what I was going to end with. My, my dad told me growing up that he had an aunt that lived down in Florida, and she had never married. She was a, what they called an old maid school teacher. She taught in a seven-day Adventist church, and he said she was the best Christian woman he'd ever known and said, uh, son, I'd like for you to meet her sometime. And so, you know, I'd gone into the ministry, and I'd been in the ministry for years now, and my dad said uh, that his aunt was uh, almost uh, dying, almost ready to die. He said, but one of her greatest desires is for you to come see her before she dies. He said, I've sent you, I've sent her your books and your, your resources, and she just thinks the world of you, but I'd never met her growing up. And so I went down, uh, my dad went down, and I, I was doing a meeting in that area, and I went down to meet her. And I'll never forget what she told me. This really blessed me. She said, Jerry, I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to meet you before I went home to be with the Lord. And I said, well, my dad spoke of you ever since I was a kid, and he loved you so much. He, he just thought you were one of the sweetest and greatest uh, Christian women that he'd ever known. And she said, uh, did your dad tell you that I've studied the family tree? I said, yes, he told me you, you traced it back as far as you could find. And she said, and this is what I wanted to tell you before I left to go home to be with the Lord. She said, I just want you to know there's never been a Savelle that's lived like you live. I said, what? She said, as far back as I can trace the family tree, there's never been a Savelle who lives like you live. I said, well, why do you think that's so? She said, because they, didn't, they never knew what you know. God's taught you, and you know more than they all knew. And that's the reason you live the way they never knew life could be. That blessed me so much. Amen. You know, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. No matter how you've lived, no matter how your family's lived, no matter how your ancestors have lived, you can break the mold. Right. Amen. Right. You can break the mold. Amen. God has a glorious life for you. God has the high life for you. God has a far better life than we ever dreamed. Will you receive that today? Praise God. Come on, give him another shout. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Would you stand up and allow me to pray for you? Hallelujah. Just lift your hands up and, and, and like form a funnel like you're receiving from heaven. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over all of these precious people. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the opportunity to impart into their lives today. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that I was sensitive to your leadership. I said the things that you wanted me to say. And I pray in the name of Jesus that not one word will return void, that it will fulfill what you've called it to do. I pray in the name of Jesus that each and every one of them have been receivers of the word, not just hearers only, but receivers of 
and they've committed to be doers of your word. And therefore, they shall be blessed in all their deeds. And in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask you to create a stirring on the inside of them for better life than they've ever dreamed. No matter what level they are right now, there's a level higher than that. And that's where you want to take them. And Lord, we will be careful to give you all the glory and all the credit. For without you, we are nothing. But thank God with you, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. In the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, I'm going to lay my hands on this man right in front of me whom I have met this week. And I'm going to use it as a point of contact as though I was laying hands on everybody in this building. Jesus, place your anointing for life the way God designed it on each and every person in this building and may they not be satisfied until they attain to it and use it as a great soul winning tool that people will ask how are you doing this where are you getting all this and they'll be able to say it's the God I serve and it's his blessing on my life in Jesus name you receive it, give the Lord your best shout. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me to impart in your lives today. Thank you, pastors, for loving Carolyn and I the way you do. We're so proud of you. Praise God. And you know what? The best is yet to come. Amen. (laughs) 